Welcome to Out on a Limb, where traditional finance and, and the new digital economy converge with a sense of history. My name is Tim Enneking. It is the 12th of December, 2023, and it is about 4 p.m. Pacific Coast time. So today is an important day, or was an important day, important morning, because at 8.30 East Coast time, the December CPI or Consumer Price Index numbers were released. And on the one hand, they were quite good. On the other hand, markets just hilariously had no idea what to do with them. So let's run through what the results were. First of all, we have the general CPI number that includes the whole basket of goods, the entire basket of goods. That went up 6.5%. Now, just about by just about any standard, 6.5% is horrible except last month it was 6.9%, so it went down. The core rate, which those of you who have listened to the, to the podcast before are familiar, uh, are familiar with, is the entire basket of goods, less food and energy, mainly because they're more volatile. And the core rate was up 5.7%, and I think it was about 6.1 or 6.2 for the month of November. So both rates, the overall rate and the core rate, went down fairly significantly on an annual basis. Uh, as we discussed last week, I believe, it's actually as important, to some degree more important, to look at what happened from month to month. So because looking back a year, you can, there have been a lot of changes. Whole, you know, a year ago, Russia had invaded Ukraine, so you're really not comparing apples to apples. Comparing the month-to-month inflation rate is actually much, much more helpful. And there it's very interesting because the CPI went down 0.1%. The overall basket of goods went down, or sorry, went up between November and December 0.1%. If you annualize that, that's not, uh, that's not bad at all. Core uh, inflation was up zero, or sorry, down 0.3% from the prior month. And that's a really big decrease uh, from month to month. You annual, annualize that, it's a drop of 3.6%. So you really have a, a major increase in, or a major decrease in the core, which is, which is really nice. Uh, the core excludes energy, but energy did something it hasn't done in two and a half years, and that is drop. So the, this may prove to be a very, very important CPI simply because of that one fact. Energy has now peaked and started to go down for the first time. And we've all seen gas prices at the pump and things drop, but the energy sector looks at the overall sector, the energy element of the CPI looks at the overall sector, not just gas, and the fact that it has apparently peaked and going down a little early to reach that as a final conclusion. But that's really important and very, very positive. Now, the reaction was, as I said, hilarious. And the interesting thing was, it was virtually identical in both fiat and crypto markets. There was a little bit of difference due to timing. Like I said, 8.30 in the morning, markets in the East Coast of the United States don't open until 9.30. So there was an hour delay. As soon as the results came out, uh, BTC, ETH, and the general crypto market dropped about, let's see, BTC went down about $400. So 
At the time, it was down about 2%, immediate 2% drop. And then it started going back up again. And I'm looking at 30-minute candles. So after two of those, the, the regular markets, the fiat markets open up. And same thing. They, they plunged. It was down like almost 1%, which is um, not so much a big move for uh, crypto markets, but it's a big move for fiat markets. I'm looking at it now. And yet, Oprah, the close yesterday was at, was about 39, I think 69. And at one point in time, it was down to 39.40. So it was down almost a full percent. And then everything suddenly rebounded. Fiat space and crypto space. Then it drifted down again, but less far down. And then it moved up again. And it was kind of like, a, you know, a rubber ball, you, a super ball, you throw on the ground and it starts bouncing up, up, and, and each time it goes up a little bit less. That's kind of what we saw around the close and the UTC close for, for, for Bitcoin for the next two, three hours. And then the markets, and then markets diverged. Uh, the S&P started to sort of drift down. It went almost back to unchanged and ended up closing, uh, ended up, closing up 34 basis points. The and BTC right around the close uh, jumped about $500, so almost 4%. A, a major jump, it hasn't jumped like that in a short candle in a long time. <clears throat> ETH and everything followed suit a little to a slightly lesser degree. So, why was that? Why was it bouncing around? Why were both all the indices bouncing around? Because the initial response that everyone said is, oh, it didn't go down quite as much as we expected. Some folks were calling for 6.63 or 6.4, and it was 6.5, which is still a drop. And they, oh, it didn't go down. And they said, wait a minute, but it still went down a lot. And you could just see as people read and digested the various statistics, you had this bouncing around going on in terms of all of the, uh, all of the indices. I have never seen either set of markets, and I follow them both closely, be as uncertain as they are now. Now They just don't know what to do. And what's happening, and this is sort of in parallel to my prediction that the correlation between crypto and fiat will loosen, is today you had perhaps an illustration of that. It's one day ahead, and we're only in the 12th day of the new year. But still, we're seeing some 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 fairly strong confirmation of that, of the fact that the correlation is weakening and it's weakening with crypto moving up and fiat moving sideways. Uh, so today was a classic day of that, but it was just funny to watch the reaction because everyone has the same facts and everyone's reaching a different conclusion and traders are going left, right, left, right, sideways, up, down, they just nobody really knows what to do. Uh, so it'll, it'll, it'll settle down because as the numbers were fairly positive, some people are now talking about a 25%, absolutely going to be a 25% BIP increase on February 1st. If you follow this podcast, you know that I'm calling for 50% then and 25% in the middle of March. Uh, I don't change my predictions. I'll live or die by them. So we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of ground groundwork between here and, and February 2nd. And the Fed does not want to undershoot in terms of inflation. If anything, it wants to overshoot. So we will see. Speaking of inflation, though, an amazing number, I mean, just a mind-boggling number out of the UK. 
In the United Kingdom in December, food prices increased by 13.3% year over year. Just, I, I can't imagine how difficult that must be for a lot of families where you've had such a, a major increase in food prices. And you see more and more articles out of, out of the UK saying, basically, we're deciding between food and heat. Uh, and the UK, which should, in my not so humble opinion, I suppose, should never have approved Brexit, they're not only getting battered by the same sort of supply chain, too much quantitative easing, rampant inflation from, from all the accumulation of cash, they're also suffering from both Brexit, and they're unique in that, and from the Russian invasion and war, subsequent war on the Ukraine. So you're really, the UK is really facing a difficult situation. And so as a result of that, you have strikes, and you may have heard about them, including uh, uh, medical nurses who have actually never struck until last week, or I guess maybe early this week, had never struck in the UK. Really quite dramatic. The situation in the UK is not, not at all good for the average man in the street at all. Third point I wanted to talk about is just very, very briefly. As you recall, it was on the 20th of December, I predicted that Twitter will be sold for less than $22 billion, which would be, you know, Musk paid 44 and change. So it's just, it would sell for a smidge under half price. Well, the sale certainly hasn't taken place. But Fidelity, which still owns Twitter's stock, and keep in mind, even though, uh, uh, even though Musk bought it and took it off the public markets, he has partners. There are other people that hold, and other institutions that hold Twitter stock. Fidelity owns quite a bit of Twitter stock, and it just wrote down its valuation, the valuation of Twitter stock on its books, by 56%. So the first part of what I said has already come true. Uh, Elon Musk has managed to cut the value of Twitter in half. Uh, long way from a sale, I suspect, or maybe a long way, but we're ways from a sale because I suspect uh, Musk isn't going to give in anytime soon. But with a SpaceX IPO and, and some other things on the horizon, the difficulties Tesla is having in general, I would, be, I would not be surprised if a sale comes sooner rather than later. We will see. But it is already worth far less than when he bought it. And to be fair, when he offered $44 billion, maybe that was a fair price at the time. By the time he bought it, it was probably worth in the high 30s because of what happened to the markets or even the mid-30s. But now it's already been written down to $21 billion by a major shareholder in a financial institution. So that tells you the, uh, the, the trends are, shall we say, slightly negative. The fourth and last point for today is a question. Are we coming off the bottom in both fiat and crypto markets? And given the correlation, we, can, we have to answer that question in the same way for each. Uh, with respect to crypto, one of the things you heard me say when, when FTX happened was that, A, it would not be... It would not have too serious repercussions and serious knock-on effects. And that's proven to be exactly the case, although it's kind of funny. After Celsius, fiat media, fiat financial media, you know, they, they talked about it, but not in, a major, in, in any major way. 
with FTX, all the fiat media is talking about it. And they're going crazy saying it's the end of crypto and it has all sorts of repercussions and, and everything else. But they're just wrong, and mainly because they don't understand the structure of the fiat of the crypto space and because they don't realize that a lot of the issues they're saying were unique to FTX and Alameda actually began with Celsius. So they're not so much knock-on effects of the second crisis or the second big problem in the crypto space, FTX, but the first with Celsius, UST, Terra Luna, et cetera, et cetera. So clearly the knock-on effects are limited. I think we can say that now. I don't see any big ones coming other than Gemini and, and Genesis continuing their fight. But again, that fight was actually born of things that came earlier. Are we at the bottom? What I said about FTX is that it would accelerate capitulation. And all indications are that that is true because the bottom before FTX was on Bitfinex, 15,487. Uh, Bitcoin was already recovering. It was about to 18,500, just over that. And then FTX happens and Bitcoin drops down to about 16,000. I'm looking now, 16,261. Uh, then the, it bounced around a little bit. It went down to 16,3 at one point in time. And since then, it's been moving steadily up, probably a little bit too quickly up today because of the CPI numbers. But nevertheless, we are well above uh, the lows. Doesn't seem as if we're going to revisit those lows. We've got some really good trends going on now. Of course, when you see it, Bitcoin like it is at the second, 18,864, you're, the only conclusion you can reach is, okay, we are, we're starting to fight for 20,000. And that's going to be a super, super difficult fight. But the next real big level, if we break through, is around 21,400, where at which point in time, 20,000, instead of turning into, or instead of being resistance, which is what it is now, turns into some serious support. We will see whether that happens. I, I, I don't know how quickly BTC is going up, but I stick by my $40,000 prediction at the end of the year. So going back to the question, are we coming off a bottom? In crypto, I think quite, quite clearly. In fiat, it's a bit of an interesting, uh, a bit of a, in some ways, more interesting story. If you look at where fiat has been, the high in, recently in August was over 4,250. And right now we're just under uh, 4,000. And the S&P has been flirting with 4,000 on the high side, basically for the last five months. And on the low side, it's, a, it's a really 3,600. It's gotten lower than, a little bit lower than 3,600, but it's really been bouncing in that almost exactly 10% range between 3,600 and 4,000. Again, I don't see the bottom being taken out simply because uh, I've started to use the metaphor of an artillery shell. You know, you shoot something, enough to be an artillery shell, you shoot something in the air and at an angle and it goes, it goes, it goes. It looks like a straight line. It's actually arcing over, but you don't see it. And then it starts to run out of momentum and it's still going up, but it starts to arc over. And that's where we are now. We had the 75 basis point increases, four of them in a row. That's the seemingly straight line as as this artillery shell goes up. And then it starts to arc over. We had 50 basis points in December. We'll have 50 or 25 in February. I submit 25, as I mentioned, on February 1st. 
And then in, in March, we'll have 25. That seems to be pretty much the very broad consensus right now. And at some point in time, it arcs over and the trajectory goes the other way. Uh, the, break, uh, the metaphor breaks down a bit there because we're going to go sideways and artillery shells aren't known for going sideways. And then the next question is, okay, when will the Fed start to ease? And most people seem to think it's going to be the end of this year. I would beg to differ. I would say early next year. But it doesn't matter for the purposes of this strict question. Are we coming off a bottom? And I think the answer is yes. The difference, though, I'll emphasize it and then one more time and then we'll wind up, is that fiat will come off the bottom, or I submit has come off the bottom, and will move basically sideways, slightly up, and it's only going to end up, the S&P will only end up about 5% higher at the end of the year than it is now, so around 4,200. Crypto, on the other hand, I think has more clearly put in a bottom, come off the bottom, and will actually do much better than fiat markets by the end of the year because we'd be talking from 1,600, we'd be talking almost, uh, or 16,000 rather, we'd be talking almost 2.5x. So that's where I see both of the markets going. I think we're both coming, we've come off a bottom in both cases. And strangely enough, there's less risk of revisiting that bottom in crypto than there is in fiat. Thank you very much. We'll speak next week.